Hi, I'm Marie. And I'm Emily. And we're registered dietitians who love to look at the research when it comes to all things diets and supplements. With years of working with professional and collegiate athletes, we've seen it all, and we're here to set the record straight. On this podcast, we break down popular diets and supplements to let you know what's legit and what's BS. Welcome back to RDs versus BS. We are here today with a really fun topic. There's a lot of stuff we could dig into here. If you are a gym goer, you'll notice a lot of people walking around drinking some pink or orange colored things in their shaker bottles. And a lot of times what that is, is BCAAs. So branch chain amino acids. And we wanted to dive into this today to see are these people, are they onto something? Is there, is there a method behind this? So yeah, topic today is BCAAs. And we also have a little bit of a surprise for you. Marie, do you want to share the surprise with the people? Yeah, sure. So as we have gained a little bit of a following, which is like very exciting. Thank you guys so much for listening. We have had some listener submissions of stuff that you guys want to hear about. Uh, some of the stuff that we get can definitely be a uh, episode topic. And so we're taking that feedback. But then also some of it are sort of quicker answers that might not need a whole episode. So what we've decided to do is at the end of every episode, we're going to have a listener submission segment. So at the end of each episode, we're going to answer some of those questions that maybe don't require an entire episode to answer. But yeah, just make sure that we're answering y'all's questions. So we're excited about that. Uh, Excited to be getting some feedback. And we've got some good questions for you guys. And one of the questions actually kind of has to do with what we're talking about today. So I think it'll fit right in. I feel like we need to name the segment. Are we Are we creative enough? on air <laughs> to just oh, name it right now. <laughs> just, oh, the brain's just turning. I, uh, I'm on my first cup of coffee, so. Yes, and I'm getting over COVID. <laughs> I know, poor Marie. That's okay. You have an excuse. I don't really have an excuse. <laughs> but yeah, so um, definitely if you have submitted a question, um, we're going to try and get to them as quickly as we can. So definitely listen to the end of the episode to hear your questions being answered. And yeah, we just we love y'all's feedback. So thank you so much for everybody that's written into us so far. Yes, we're so excited. So let's dive right in to today. BCAAs. So like I said, they are branch chain amino acids. And you usually see them, you know, in a powder and people put scoops in water and they basically say to have them all day long, you know, before exercise, during, after. So we're going to start as always by getting into what are BCAAs, what are the claims and what does the research actually say? Let's get into it. BCAAs. So Amino acids, we've talked about on this podcast before, but just as a refresher, they are the building blocks of protein. So amino acids make up protein, and there's 20 of them total. But there are three special ones called branch chain amino acid, and those are leucine, isoleucine, and valine. And people focus on those at the gym for the most part because they're the ones that make up about 35% of the body's muscle protein. So there's no doubt that 
these branched chain amino acids are important for muscle growth. And there's another important piece about branched chain amino acids is that while the body can make some amino acids without us eating them, branched chain amino acids are essential, meaning you have to get them from food. So all of this, all of this information goes out there into the universe. So people automatically think, okay, well, branched chain amino acids, I've got to take them if I'm trying to gain muscle. So that's where all the popularity comes from. And like I mentioned before, you know, if you get a BCAA supplement, they're going to say to take it before, during, after exercise, throughout the whole day. Like they just say that this is what you're supposed to do and just have it in your bloodstream at all times. So <laughs> let's get into the claims of why they even suggest to take it so much. Like what can these people at the gym be hoping to gain by taking branch chain amino acids? Yeah. You know, you were saying that a lot of these supplement companies will sort of put on their instructions of take before, during, or after, or before bed, or whatever. But it is funny because there's certain supplements that we do have. And I mean, this is kind of like getting into a whole other realm of the sports nutrition world. But there are certain supplements that have very specific protocols of how you're supposed to take supplements, and they're somewhat standardized. Whereas BCAAs, it just seems like every single company has their own version of how you should be taking it and how much you should be taking it. And it's really just like the wild, wild west of like... It really is more so than other supplements. Yeah. Exactly like you said, it's yeah. funny. But yeah, okay. So claims of BCAAs. Now I will say that I've started to see some like really wild stuff out there getting a little bit away from exercise related claims, but we're going to kind of focus on the ones that have been around since these supplements have been around and then see what the research has to say. So the first, the biggest one, why you're going to see all your gym bros with their pink drink <laughs> walking around is because there is the big claim that BCAs will fuel your muscles during training. So obviously, if you're trying to put on muscle, definitely need fuel for that. Sort of going along with that is that it will enhance your muscle synthesis after a workout. So basically, the claim is that BCAAs are going to help you put on more muscle than if you weren't taking them. The third one is that I guess this kind of goes along with the first one, but just that supplementing BCAAs will help you preserve your stores of glycogen. Essentially what that means is that rather than your body using the stored carbohydrate as energy, it's going to use the BCAAs as energy. That's the claim. And then the fourth claim is that you are going to decrease your muscle soreness. So essentially like a claim of making you feel better and less sore after a workout. So if these are true and you go to the gym often, these are awesome, right? Like that's pretty much a lot of people's goal. Put on some lean mass, help them get through a workout. Sounds great. Sign me up. I really hope that <laughs> I hope the research supports all of these claims. It almost sounds too good to be true. <laughs> almost. So let's see what's what the deal with BCAAs is. So it was kind of interesting when we started doing research, something that I found out was that BCAAs are actually used in medicine and has some research backing it. It's used for people who have reduced brain function due to liver disease or a movement disorder caused by antipsychotic drugs called tardive dyskinesia. 
So there's a medical use for BCAAs. I didn't get into how they work or what they use them for or anything, but I thought that was super interesting where BCAAs, I always just think of muscle bound gym goers with BCAAs, <laughs> but it's actually having a use in medicine. Yeah. So that's a side note. Yeah, I feel like the gym crowd has really hijacked a lot of these medical nutrition therapies. It was the same thing with keto, right? Like that has a very specific clinical use. That's like, you know, a very specific situation. And now we have a bunch of people doing the keto diet who are not children with epilepsy, you know? So yeah, it's just interesting how I yeah, I feel like that if there's a legitimate therapy for something, somehow the diet industry gets their hands on it and skews it and makes it for whatever reason something that you need in the gym but it's good for the people with tardive dyskinesia (laughs) it's good for me right yeah and that's that's our whole purpose of doing this and looking into this research because you can take any research study that says whatever but if you don't really look into it and say how many people and what kind of people were they people or were they mice (laughs) in the study um, it's hard to know whether it's actual information that you can use in yeah. to you know, relate to you. All right. So first claim that BCAAs will help with muscle gain and recovery. Gains. Gains. We're kind of putting these two together. So basically, will taking BCAAs help you gain muscle? Slash, will it help you recover after a workout? I mean, there's a bunch of studies we could go through. We're going to go through some, but I'm just going to jump right to it. Basically, there's not enough research showing that it helps with this. In um, in research, and there's, there's always two groups you got to compare. One group that takes the BCAAs, and the other group will take a placebo that has no protein in it or nothing at all. And so we, I mean, we already know it's already well established that if you take protein, it helps with muscle growth and muscle recovery. If you eat protein, great. BCAAs is a part of protein. So you can't really compare BCAAs to nothing. Right. I I noticed that too. It was pretty much all the studies. Yeah. Like you said, compare taking BCAAs to taking nothing. I did find one study that compared it to taking a whey protein. And yeah, basically the conclusion of that study was that it was less muscle synthesis and less beneficial when you took BCAAs compared to taking a whey protein because the whey protein has all the amino acids that you need. Again, it's, it's that information getting skewed because the conclusions of all the studies that we read were like, BCAAs shown to improve muscle synthesis or muscle gains, but then you look at it and then you're comparing to taking nothing, which we know is not helpful when you're trying to gain muscle. You need to eat food. You need to eat protein 30 minutes to an hour after a workout. So yeah, like just no data whatsoever showing that BCAAs are better than taking just like eating a piece of chicken or doing a whey protein shake, something like that. And if anything, the data shows that when compared to what we know works, which is a complete protein source an hour after a workout, it actually does less than just eating dinner, you know, like wild, wild thought, go to the gym, once you're done, go eat some dinner, get a protein in there seems to be well, is shown in the literature to be more more beneficial for your muscle growth than chugging this uh, BCAA powder. And it's been shown, you know, to grow 
muscle, it makes sense. You need all of the amino acids because all of them go into muscle synthesis. Where BCAAs, I think, have become in the research, they think, okay, well, you need BCAAs to stimulate this muscle synthesis, meaning to start the muscles growing, is something called the leucine threshold. So like we said earlier in the in the episode, the three BCAAs are leucine, isoleucine, and valine. So what we're looking at here is leucine itself. And there is good research showing that if you get enough leucine, that it activates muscle growth through something called mTOR. We're not going to get into it because I'm getting flashbacks of these big, <laughs> you know, Marie, Marie knows what I'm talking about. Like any sports nutrition conference you go to, there's this massive slide with all these different like, pathways, know, arrows going everywhere. <laughs> We're not going to get into mTOR, but it is well established that getting enough leucine helps activate muscle growth. So there is something behind there, but you again, need all of the amino acids, all 20 of them to actually build the muscle. So you can activate your muscle growth through just food. You don't need to take the BCAAs by themselves. And the amount of leucine you need to activate this muscle growth, if you're younger, it looks to be about one gram of leucine. If you're older, it could be two grams or more. So we looked into some foods and how much leucine they actually have per serving. And look at that. Just one scoop of whey protein powder having about 20 grams of protein has 2.5 grams of leucine. So again, you can take the whey protein powder after your workout. You're getting the leucine and you're also getting all of the other amino acids that you actually need to build muscle. But if you want to go even more the food route and not take any supplements, things like chicken, steak, turkey, tuna, those are anywhere between one and a half and two grams of leucine. So again, don't have to go the supplement route. You could very easily hit this leucine threshold by just eating food with protein in it after a workout. Yeah. And, you know, you just said that the the meat and poultry sources, so chicken, steak, turkey, tuna, all that kind of stuff. So that is per three ounces of those foods, which here in America, we do not just eat three ounces at no, one sitting. We double, twir- yeah. triple, quadruple. <laughs> so like yeah. before you think, oh, my chicken breast doesn't have enough leucine, I need to eat more of it. So three ounces is if you hold up the palm of your hand and take away your fingers it's not even all that. So unless you're eating a meat source that's smaller than that amount, um, which most people aren't, like a whole chicken breast is usually anywhere from like six to eight ounces. So you are certainly getting enough leucine if you go home and you eat a chicken breast after a workout. Same thing with steak. I mean, you could freaking get a, go to a restaurant and get a ribeye that's like, I don't know, they sell them like 14 ounce, like ridiculous serving sizes. Um, which is another problem for another day that we can talk about. But very small portions of meats, fishes, and poultries will get you the leucine that you need. And I also wanted to take a moment here to mention, you know, we've been talking about supplements versus whole food proteins. And there's not a bunch of research behind this, but people are starting to find that there is something in whole foods 
that you can't get by just isolating the BCAAs by themselves or even isolating the protein by itself. Something about the interaction between a whole a piece of chicken and the fat and the vitamins and minerals and the protein and everything that's in there, there's something about it that just tends to be better in for the body and do more good than if you separate all those different things. Lots of research still to be done there, but that's why we always say food first. And for me, I don't know, I'd much rather eat a piece of chicken than drink some isolated BCAA taste better, I think. And mm-hmm. and you're getting more stuff that your body needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. So that was the first claim slash claims about muscle gain and muscle recovery. Basically, just eat protein after BCAAs are not doing you any good or anything additional. Yeah. BCAAs are only beneficial if you have access to literally nothing else with protein in it. Which is not a good marketing campaign for BCAAs. (laughs) It's the last resort. Go for it. I love it. All right. Next claim that taking BCAAs is going to give you more energy while you work out because your body's going to run on the BCAAs instead of the glycogen stores, aka the carbs stored in your muscle. So Marie, do you want to start us off with this one? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So before we even get into the research, I run into, I don't know about you, Emily, like, especially when you were working with the Cubs or anything, but I run into this all the time with my athletes wanting to take BCAAs for energy. And I'm like, why? I I don't understand why people want to use protein as an energy source over carbohydrate as an energy source. And I want to back it up for a second because to understand this, so essentially protein, when you are completely devoid of carbohydrates in your body. So you've used up all of your carbohydrate stores. Your body can actually switch to protein getting converted to carbohydrate, which will then get converted to energy. So it's not that your body's using protein as energy. Your body is converting protein to carbohydrate to then use as energy. And it's something that your body tries to avoid because it wants to preserve your protein and your muscle. So for me, it just never made sense because it's like you're taking this additional step that you don't have to take. If you were to just give yourself a quick absorbing carbohydrate, so, you know, take like an energy chew or eat a piece of fruit or something like that, like why go through the step of taking in extra protein to convert it to carb to convert it to energy when you can just take in a carb? It just, it never made sense to me because it's, it's ultimately going to be the same thing. And if anything, it's taking longer and more steps to use the BCAAs for energy than it is if you were to just like drink some Gatorade or some sports drink and get energy that way. It makes absolutely no sense to me why people want to like add a middleman essentially in this process. I think on the surface level, there's still this thing where people think carbs are bad protein's good. If I can get energy from protein, I'd rather do that than get energy from carbs. Doesn't make any sense. Cause like you said, it's not like the BCAs are just like going into your bloodstream and giving you energy. It's being converted to carbs. 
I think there's also the idea of people just love the idea of an energy drink mm-hmm. where, oh, I can drink this. It's going to give me energy and it's healthy. It's made of protein. I don't know if right now is the right time to bring this up, but it's it just popped in my head. If you ever look at a BCAA supplement, it usually says it has zero calories in it. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Because that is crazy to me. They're they're able to do that because it's a supplement label and technically it's not the whole protein, but BCAAs have calories in them. It's protein and protein is four calories per gram. So they're just straight up lying on these supplement labels. I think people look at that and think, okay, well, it's the same thing as drinking a sugar-free energy drink not getting any calories from it, but I'm getting all the energy. And that's just super misleading. Yeah. And then speaking of energy drinks, because I wanted to bring bring this up too, kind of getting away from maybe like a BCA supplement you would take at the gym. But have you noticed that energy drinks that you buy at the gas station or wherever now have BCAAs in it? Have you seen mm-hmm. that? Oh my I've God, seen it. this kills me. And it's being marketed as like an energy source. And I think it's literally because technically, if you were completely devoid of carbohydrate, and you would drink this BCAAs, it would convert to carbohydrate, which would convert to energy. But it's like, that pathway is being promoted as like instant energy. But what's so funny is Every single one of these energy drinks, or even like a pre-workout, because that's where I see BCAAs in supplements most often is a pre-workout supplement. A million times out of a million, they are in a supplement that has caffeine in it. So people are always like, oh, I get so hyped. Like BCAAs give me so much energy. It's like, no, the caffeine, you're taking a shit ton of caffeine. And that's what's getting you hyped. And that's what's giving you energy. Even these energy drinks... Adding the BCAAs into these like monster energy drinks, I'm sorry, monster, I don't know if you add BCAAs into yours, but you know, the drinks like that, (laughs) you're not getting any additional energy or it's not coming from like, oh, this really natural source. It's literally just a marketing ploy that is doing absolutely nothing because you're already taking in like 200 milligrams of caffeine, which is going to get you all jittery and jazzed up anyways. Right. That's so funny and so true. I mean, you got to take all of that into consideration when you're having these different supplements and energy drinks. So basically what we're saying is you'd be better off just using carbs for energy. That's the point. Carbs you eat go into your muscles. You use it for energy. There's no need or purpose to take BCAAs because you want more energy. It just, for all the reasons we just mentioned, doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then just really quickly, I want to touch on the actual research that is like between BCAs and endurance athletes. It's exactly like the muscle building one, how they do these studies. So first of all, there's like very few studies that have been done. The ones that have been done are super small. I think the most people I found in any of them was 30 people. So super small studies. And they all compare either drinking BCAAs and then doing an endurance workout versus taking in nothing. So again, same same situation. If your only option is take BCAAs or take nothing, the BCAAs are going to be better. But we know that BCAAs compared to like a carbohydrate intake, 
you're going to be better off taking the carbohydrates. And even funnier is a bunch of these studies. So basically what they do, they have participants come in, um, they'll do some sort of endurance workout. So a lot of times it's like spinning or rowing until they're exhausted and they see how long they can go. A lot of times they make them come in fasted. So like not Uh only are you doing these studies where people aren't allowed to have any source of food or carbohydrate while they're working out, they're showing up without any energy to begin with. So Uh. it's just like, it's really, really misleading. And so again, probably not a good marketing tactic for BCAs to be like, if you've got nothing else, (laughs) here we are. But yeah, that's essentially all the data is showing us that BCAs is better than literally nothing. Not very compelling. (laughs) Well, that, uh, that's that on the BCAAs for energy. So we basically said, you know, it's not great to take it before or during or after, (laughs) but there's one more claim we haven't gotten to yet. And that is the decreased muscle soreness claim. So yeah, people say that, and this ties in with the taking it after that if you take BCAAs after a workout that you're not going to be as sore as nothing, right? So (laughs) they, again, another study comparing BCAAs to the placebo, which was nothing, water that tasted like the BCAAs. So again, this is well known and and well researched that if you take protein, aka all of the amino acids after a workout, that it can help decrease muscle soreness because the protein's helping the muscle recover. We know that. I think this just ties into everything we already said was that it's not the BCAs specifically, it's protein that's helping decrease muscle soreness. Yeah. And then kind of getting back to what you were saying earlier, Emily, about the other bioactive compounds that we don't really have a ton of research and fully understand yet. But there we do know that foods, you know, like eating a food versus eating an isolated supplement the food is going to provide you with antioxidants and other bioactive chemicals like phytonutrients that we have a little, you know, a minimal understanding of some of them being incredibly beneficial for helping with reducing oxidative stress. So flushing out lactic acid and stuff like that. So while I can't sit here and be like 100% a chicken breast is going to be better for you than like an isolated whey protein, there seems to be some evidence And again, more research is absolutely needed for this, but there's probably bioactive compounds in foods like chicken and steak that are going to give you additional recovery benefits that you're just not going to have in a supplement form. Yeah, that is so true. And one thing I did want to mention, my my husband's also a sports dietitian, and I told him we were doing this episode, and he said, oh, what I always, he works with football players. And he said, what I always tell my football players is you can't fix a car while it's driving. And I really liked that. And I think that's people's ideas with taking BCAAs as well, is that I'm going to take BCAAs before, during, and after to help keep up my muscle and get energy and all of this. But I thought that was a good, a good way to put it. It's like, have the protein after because you can't fix the car while it's driving. Yeah. I love that. Exactly. All right, one last thing that we want to bring up, um, and this is something that we use as sports dietitians a lot. Uh, there's a thing called the Australian Institute of Sport, and they have a really great grading system of 
uh, specific, not specifically brands of supplements, but types of supplements. So we talked about how just a whey protein powder would be more beneficial to a lot of these claims than using the BCAAs by themselves. They put things in grading classes A through D. So I'll, I'll give you the definition of A. So it means strong scientific evidence for use in specific situations in sport using evidence-based protocol. And uh, it's usually permitted for athletes. So that would be a grade A. And then grade D basically means it either is a banned substance or it's at very high risk of being contaminated with a banned substance. So whey protein was given a class A grading. So essentially strong evidence that this is supported by science and that would be beneficial for athletes and recommended for athletes to take it. Whereas BCAAs, not quite a D, but it has been given a C grade. So those of you who are thinking, oh, C, average, that's fine. <laughs> Let me go ahead and read what the C grade mean. Basically, C grade is the worst grade that you can get without it being filled with stuff that can hurt your liver. <laughs> so ah, great. Yeah, so one step above being banned. So the, the C grade is scientific evidence not supportive of benefit amongst athletes or no research undertaken to guide an informed opinion. So, so basically a C grade means that the data is not there to support the claims. So that is where BCAs currently lie in uh, their grading system. And yeah, I think that that's a really good conclusion. And I mean, that's what we found too. The evidence, while there's technically, again, the evidence shows that BCAs are better than nothing. But I do not know a situation in the world where you would have access to be isolated BCAAs and literally nothing else. I mean, if you're financially able to buy BCAAs or have access to them, that means that you have access to food and you have access to whey protein supplements. If you're stuck in the woods and you find BCAAs, <laughs> take them. Yeah. If that's all that. Um might might keep you going for a little bit longer <laughs> than if, if you had nothing. But on that note, let's get into pros and cons. So I always do the pros. So I'm going to let Marie do the pros because she always gets stuck with the cons. So we're switching it up today. Alrighty. So we, we have a few pros. They're not super strong. So pro one, you are getting protein. It's not a complete protein, but you are getting some components of protein. Another pro you're probably not hurting yourself, you know, if you're taking <laughs> if you're taking a reputable brand. And like Emily just said, if you are, you know, stuck, lost, wandering the Sahara and you stumble upon some BCAAs and it's all that you have access to to eat, um, it's better than nothing. <laughs> so that is where my the pros end. So <laughs> and the cons begin. So cons, you're basically spending more money on something you could get for much cheaper. If you're trying to get the muscle gain, the recovery, buy a whey protein or eat actual food. If you're trying to have more energy, eat carbs in the form of food or a sports drink or something. You'll get better results than if you were to just take the BCAAs. So it really is kind of a waste of money where your money could be better spent with better results by focusing on things that actually work and actual food. The BCAAs don't live up to the claims that they said above. Basically, they do, but only when compared to nothing. So that's not 
again, not very compelling. And I think food tastes better. I would rather eat some food than drink the artificial flavored BCAA drink. Not for me. So that brings us to the BS stamp. Marie, I'll let you take this one over. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is like a classic BS stamp situation. We've got a bunch of claims. None of them are held up in the literature. So yeah, BS stamp for me. I completely agree. I think PCAAs are well marketed Mm -hmm. and it has quote unquote research behind it. But when you really look into it, it's not really applicable in real life. And there are other alternatives, which is our next thing. So as you can imagine, I mean, our alternatives, it's like we've been saying is basically just eat food. So we did want to mention people who take BCAAs, a goal is to gain muscle a lot of the time. We wanted to mention here that there is a certain amount of protein that's recommended for people who are trying to gain muscle. So if this is you, it's time to take out your calculator or your calculator app. And this is how you figure out how much protein you need in a day. So type in your weight in pounds. And then divide that by 2.2 to get to kilograms. And then whatever that number is, multiply it by 1.6. And that's the low level of how much protein you should eat in a day for muscle growth. And then to get to the upper level of that, go back to your kilogram weight number and multiply it by 2.2. So basically, what we're saying is your range of protein that you need for muscle growth is 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilogram. Or we could have just made this easier and said 0.7 to one gram per pound. So having that much, spreading it throughout the day and really making sure that you have a decent amount of protein after you work out, like we said, between 30 to 60 minutes helps with muscle growth. What we would recommend is either a whey protein or food or if, (laughs) You're a vegan, you can have a vegan protein, but make sure it's multiple sources, like pea protein, rice protein, mix it all together so that you're getting all the amino acids. Mm -hmm. I did want to just quickly mention that if you are interested in a protein supplement, what you really want to look for is a 100% whey protein powder. There are a gazillion on the market. Two brands that I work with all the time and I trust with my athletes is uh, the first one is Optimum Nutrition Gold Standard 100% Whey. I'm pretty sure you can buy this at PNC or not PNC, geez. (laughs) We all know what you're trying to say. (laughs) Banking by PNC. Um, (laughs) No, you can buy, I'm pretty sure you can buy this at GNC. Not that I'm promoting GNC, but they do have a good product there. Another one would be the Gatorade Essential Whey Isolate. Essentially what both of these are, are just 100% whey, isolated whey protein powders. Like I said, there's a million options. We recommend staying away from anything that's a proprietary blend. So if you see that on there, I would recommend steering clear. It kind of means we don't really know exactly what's inside of it because the manufacturer has created their own blend and they don't have to disclose specifically what's in it. So I recommend steering clear of that. And if you are not someone who likes whey protein or doesn't tolerate whey protein, 
like Emily said, a vegan protein powder that has multiple sources of protein in the ingredient list. So pea, rice, flax, just make sure that there's there's multiple sources of each of those. Awesome. And then for that claim about giving you energy during workouts, so our alternative to BCAAs is carbs. So <laughs> eat enough carbs before, eat carbs at every meal. If you haven't eaten in you know about two hours and you're going to go work out, have a quick digesting carb. So high carb, low fiber, low protein, low fat, have that before. And then we also say during a workout, if you're working out for more than an hour, having some carbs during your workout can help as well because your body's going to just burn it off. You don't have to be afraid of carbs. It's just giving you energy and you don't have to rely on BCAAs. Yes. Unless you have nothing else. Exactly. All right. Are we ready for our first listener submission segment? Yes. Which we're going to eventually come up with a fun name, but for now, (laughs) it's just very descriptive. The listener submission (laughs) segment. Okay. So for listener submissions, if you want to submit, please do feel free to email us. You can contact us through our website. You can contact us through Instagram. When you do, let us know if we can use your name or not. We haven't yet put that out there. So we're not, we're going to omit the name for this one. But our first listener submission is an email and it says, Hey there, thank you for doing the podcast. It's refreshing to hear honesty from an RD. I have a question, but it's more of a suggested topic. There are so many protein shakes out there. How do I know which one is best for me? Is Lady Boss an ideal lean for women just BS? Love the use of BS in there. That is such a good question, and it goes perfectly with this episode. So, Marie, do you want to start us off? Yeah. So, I mean, kind of just going back to what we just talked about with the the protein powder. So, 99% of claims you see on proteins is just marketing. You know, what this listener brought up too was, and this is something I'm seeing more and more of, is protein powders marketed specifically to women. So I'm just going to go ahead and say, so we looked up both of these these products, the Lady Boss and the Ideal Lean, and they were essentially the same thing. They were low calorie, low carbohydrate, low fat, high moderate to high protein, protein supplements. And if you remember back to like our Beachbody episode, and the Arbonne episodes, they, they were pretty similar to those too, right? Like that's all that they were. Low calorie, low carbohydrate, low fat, moderate to high protein. Essentially just a, a protein powder. Some of them had some vitamins added into it. But they're more expensive than just doing, like we just talked about, like a 100% whey protein through like a brand that is not being targeted towards a specific gender or targeted for a specific purpose. It's just being branded as, hey, we're a 100% whey protein. There's really, there's not a lot of difference. So what you're ultimately paying for is the marketing. There's nothing that you can take as a woman that is going to, for whatever reason, be better for women or be engineered towards women 
that's like a protein powder. There are specific vitamins and minerals that women need higher or lower amounts of than men. And that would be something that taking a women's specific multivitamin might be beneficial. If you are trying to get pregnant, taking like a prenatal vitamin might be beneficial because you're giving yourself those those minerals and vitamins needed for pregnancy specifically. But kind of outside of that, when you're talking about supplements for muscle growth or just a protein. There's no like protein for women. Protein is the same between men and women and like in the body, how you absorb it, all that kind of stuff. And so essentially what these these companies do is they are feeding off of women's insecurity of wanting to be lean, but wanting to have lower fat mass. And so they're sort of tart, they're, they're marketed as like lean proteins and like get lean. And, you know, even even the the name of that one, Ideal Lean, you know, it, it kind of sends off signals of like, oh, you know, I can drink this protein powder and be lean. It's no better than like 100% whey. And I would argue that the 100% whey protein is better because first of all, you know what's in it. A lot of these companies like the Lady Boss and the Ideal Lean, they have proprietary blends or they have suboptimal blends of protein. So they're actually not the best for giving you a good, well-rounded protein source. And they're often just really expensive. I wouldn't go so far to say that they're BS because they are a protein powder. They are giving you something. Um, They're just not the best option. They're not the cheapest option. And you're paying for a lot of marketing at the end of the day. So true. I completely agree. And I also was, I was looking into the lady boss one. And one thing that is BS is that on the package, they say this is a meal replacement. It's 110 calories and 15 grams of protein for a scoop. That's not a meal replacement. So ignore that. If you're just using it for a post-workout protein, nothing wrong with it. It's just going to be more expensive than the whey proteins that Marie mentioned earlier. And to answer your question of how do I know which one is best for me? Basically, if you're trying to just get some more protein, then the whey protein will be fine. That's the one that, you know, it's low in fats, usually low in carbs. It's just getting you some protein. If you're trying, if you're someone who's really active, who's trying to bulk, I'd recommend a protein powder that has carbs in it, that has more calories in it, because these are super lean. Um, the, the whey isolates are super lean, and they tend to be low in calories and pretty filling. So the one that's best for you, that just depends on your goals. But yeah, keep in mind, like we've been saying, a lot of the time, these ones that are marketed to women are just more expensive, but it's giving you the same protein that you'd get from a whey isolate. Yeah. All right. So our next uh, submission, this is kind of steering away from protein a little bit, but here we go. It says, are you familiar with Tosca Reno and her clean eating? I've been following her for years, but I've never really got into it all the way. Some of it is pretty extreme for me. Just curious what you think. It's not really supplements, but just a new way of eating, which is good. But some of the extremes were too much for me. I had to quit following on Facebook because I like Emily's theory that there are no bad foods, just moderation, etc. Thanks. Alrighty. Yes, thank you for that submission. And thank you for... Um, you know, obviously we have heard the term clean eating before. I think really quickly, just I did want to say that there's no official definition of what that means. I think for most people, to them, it means unprocessed foods or eating only foods that have been unprocessed or not 
packaged or something like that. But ultimately, you know, the question about clean eating, there's no definition of that. It is just sort of like a marketing term. But thank you for this submission, because we did get to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole of this person, uh, Tosca Reno. And Emily, I would, <laughs> you want to take over of what we found and our thoughts oh about some of her programs? <laughs> I mean, we just went on her website and we're making shocked noises as we're going through. I, I see what you mean with the, you know, some of the extremes were too much for you because I, I would be too much for me too. It's just a lot. You go through, you look at her books. It's a lot of the word diet everywhere. It's a lot about weight loss. It's clean eating. I get it. It's great to eat healthy foods and fruits and vegetables and all of that. But there are other benefits that you get besides just weight loss. And I think that's so important. And you don't see that at all on this website. What I also wanted to say was that I get the sense by looking at it that it doesn't allow for much balance. It's mostly like you got to eat clean all the time. Like there, she has some recipes that are sugar-free, tasty treats. So no, you can't just enjoy the full fat, full sugar ice cream. You have to make this sugar-free version is what I'm getting from that. There's a program called the Sugar Strike. One of the books Marie found we were cracking up was the butt book, how to build a non-cellulite and fat-free butt in nine weeks. Like... <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Not, and then not, the butt, the butt on the, so the like literally the, the the cover of the book is just like this butt, and is so obviously photoshopped. And you're like, I know that that model had cellulite on her, and they just photoshopped it. Out. Absolutely, I'd say look it up, but I'm scared of what other things <laughs> would come up on Google, so maybe don't. But um, yeah, that was funny. There's also. She has an eat clean diet for family and kids. Red flag, huge red flag. Like the yeah. word diet and kids should never go together. Yeah. So basically, yeah, the, this lady, Tosca Reno, is definitely not you know on the same page as what we like to preach, which is moderation and health beyond just weight loss, you know, being healthy because you have more energy and you feel better and all those other things, it does seem a little extreme. Mm -hmm. So like we said earlier, nothing wrong with eating clean, which basically I think means eating healthy, but there's room for quote unquote non-clean eating, which is just having a balance in your life. So yeah, I completely agree. We're all about moderation. We're all about balance. No need to be so extreme and never have any sugar because it's all okay. You could be healthy and, and not completely cut sugar out of your life. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Definitely nothing wrong with promoting healthful, nutritious, nutrient-dense foods. But my issue with, with what she seems to represent is the fear-mongering around stuff like sugar and processing foods and this very unrealistic. I don't know if it's even a claim, but this unrealistic situation of get your best booty right by cutting out sugar. You know, mm -hmm. it's like genetically, it's like, I think it was like cellulites in like 99.8% of women. Like, I'm not sure where I found that stat. So apologies if that's like wildly incorrect. But <laughs> 
it's just, you know, it's, it's setting unrealistic expectations that even if you did cut out all the sugar in your life, it's not, you know, that's not going to happen for you. And then that gets women really discouraged. So um, I, I don't like the fear mongering. I don't like the unrealistic expectations. And I don't like the focus on diet and weight loss when Absolutely. I mean, eating fruits, vegetables, whole grains, low fat dairies, lean proteins, like we always talk about, are going to give you wellness benefits. But that doesn't really seem to be focused on so much here. Yeah, so true. So true. So those were two really good submissions. We love to keep it going. So please continue to submit if you have questions about anything or think we should talk about a supplement or a diet or anything like that. We love that. We love hearing from you. So until next time, I'm Emily. And I'm Marie. And don't let the BS get the best of you.